Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Uh, he tried to kill Crystal. He said, kids watch daddy kill mommy when he shoved a screwdriver to her throat in the Mazda in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, he punched her so hard in Florida, and I have texts about this, that she hit the ground with stars after he broke into their condo and held them against their will. So it's just a couple examples. I won't go on and on, but it's horrific, and it's in front of the children. My point with that is, if anybody should lose custody of a child, it'd be the parent that's doing it. He was not a hands-on parent before. Crystal did all of the daily care and love of the children, and um, he was an alcoholic and also taking drugs, snorting his uh, Ritalin or something equivalent. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Last Days. I'm Laurel and Tatter Thompson. We have uh, now our next guests, and it's kind of a serious situation. It is a bit complex, and yet it's kind of simple, really, if you narrow it down. We are going to bring on a mother of a little precious girl, and she's also the mother of children from a previous marriage. We are going to bring on her mom, which would be the children's grandmom. And we're going to bring on a family friend and advocate named Wendy. And we're going to try and figure our way through this story. This is very important. Pay attention to the details if you can, but listen to this story. And uh, at the end of it, what we really want to do is to stand up for a family that has been uh, mistreated and there is not justice in this and we want to see if we can help to bring justice so welcome to the show everybody we'll see if we can get you all on hi crystal how are you hi thank you for having us you're welcome that's crystal and little precious baby oh that's awesome okay and then in the far to to everybody's far uh, right i guess is going to be barbara and barbara how are you doing well, thank you. Good, good. And then I know right beside you, you've got a, a friend there. We'll, we'll show her uh, when um, when we go to talk to you all because we don't have a lot of room in the screens. But Wendy, we just thank you for being here. Um, who would like to go first? Crystal, would you like to begin sort of at the uh, top telling uh, the situation that you find yourself in? You're really in the battle of your life right now. Um, are you able to to begin telling us sort of the the bare bones and the crux of this story? Well, it's hard to know where to start. Um, it's like you said, very well. You got married, I guess, right? You got married at uh, some point. You married a fella. We were engaged. Yes, we were engaged, and we had two beautiful children. Uh, my daughter Nora, who's twelve and a half, and, and Henry's. 10 and a half. And um, just to follow up on what your previous speaker was talking about, um, part of the story is my children oh. Oh. Uh, respect their body oh. and wanted to have their body their choice when it came to a lot of things, including uh, the COVID, what's called the COVID vaccine. Um, unfortunately, they were forced to go against their will, even though they were begging to not be forced to go, knowing they would be vaccinated. Okay, uh, so they were literally verbally begging not to be um, inoculated with the COVID-19 jab and they were forced to to go and, and have it done? Well, they were fo forced to forced. Uh, leave, leave me and knowing that um, once they were gone, uh, I wouldn't be able to advocate for their wishes like they could when they were with me. Right. So would you say, Crystal, that you had a very difficult relationship uh, with your previous um, uh, partner? And did you want to say his name or should we just leave that off? Well, our, our matter is of public record. Um, okay. If you were to uh, look on um, any case law, we are there listed as Lidstone versus Seminar. Yeah. Yeah. So my okay. previous, uh, so Mr. Lidstone, mm -hmm. right. And, um, th this was, um, 
a difficult relationship, uh, but nonetheless, uh, did you want to give us a timeline of sort of when uh, things fell apart to the degree that you separated from each other? Yeah, uh, I. in the end, um, what initiated um, the start and a family court, um, we haven't seen the end yet, we've been in family court uh, since uh, Mr. Liz Stone signed his uh, paperwork as the applicant in uh, Father's Day 2016, actually. Um, I just uh, said, you're going to have to sober up somewhere else. I'm not going to be um, your rag doll anymore. That's the last time you pushed me down the stairs. And uh, so he went to, he, I gave him the choice, either calling the police to pick him up or his dad. And I ended up calling his dad. And then ever since then, his family has been protecting him uh, from having the truth out, um, knowing that this was an abusive cycle, uh, domestic family violence, which now is being perpetrated by our Canadian family law justice system, where there is no justice. Right, because the truth right, you haven't found justice. Right. Mm -hmm. Understood. Um, I'm going to go to your, your mom, uh, Barbara, then. Uh, Barbara, you really highlighted this. You have been, um, you have been very, uh, well, you've been standing in the gap for your daughter, and you see that something is going very, very wrong here. And so you watched, and you were there at several police incidences as well. And I know that we have a couple of videos to play. Um, but if you want to just sort of talk about your role and then we'll show the videos when you're ready. Okay. Uh, as Crystal said, she has a, a history of ongoing family violence. Now that they're split up, there's something in Canada called ex-partner domestic violence. Her ex, Greg Lidstone, is the perpetrator of domestic violence. I swore an affidavit and it has been filed. So this is in the public domain. And he's using the children as weapons to hurt their mother also, he's enlisted children's services, and I'll give it to Dick what answer your question, and the RCMP and the courts as weapons to, to keep the children from their mother for no other reason, in our opinion, is power and control. And this is now summarized as pathogenic parenting, which is very serious. It is somebody passing on their persecutory delusions uh, onto the children and to assault the other parent, in this case, Crystal, and make everybody believe there's something wrong with her. She's an adequate standing parent. And to get allies in the court system. And when I asked him, why are you doing this, Greg? It was like, so he doesn't have to deal with Alberta because they have family in Ontario to make Crystal pay something for something and admit something. Now this, where you see the police started October, well, it started in the fall of August of 2021 when Crystal, Nora, and Henry were in Alberta in Cold Lake for a family visit for a vacation. And Nora has told Crystal and then told me many times that her dad would force her to take the vaccine. Nora and Henry were very, very by following scientists and doctors, journalists like yourself and their speakers. They did not want the potentially DNA altering toxic jab. And they articulated it and they said, mom, dad's going to vaccinate us and make us go to Florida next spring. Mom knew she was having a baby and she was going to ask for time with the children at that time with the power to, to take away from Crystal anything she wanted. So Crystal wasn't sure what to do. She, this was proceeding through the courts. There was supposed to be a trial in January about this matter of the children because Nora and Henry had seen a lawyer in June and said they very specifically want to live with mom. So Crystal took Nora and Henry. You see there's Henry saying no, no and crying in the background and Nora, police trying to force Naomi, my daughter, to pass them over. Naomi's trying to advocate for their rights and say, you don't know the whole story, telling the history of abuse, telling how Greg's is going to and plans because he said so and it's in writing, keep the children from their mom permanently and giving uh, examples of previous abuses, including uh, the step-grandfather, Doug Fairburn, licked Nora's foot. Then dad said, don't tell. Actually, I told, I told children's services and the police that. Dad said, don't tell. And then Doug Fairburn, the step-grandfather, assaulted Henry in public by dragging him to a dentist's office and then assaulted Crystal in the office, elbowing her many, many times in her chest, 
So she had to back up. So I'm just telling you examples of abuse. Everything that we say, there's evidence for. But back in the summer of August, Crystal took Norrin Henry to the Bonneville Children's Services office. She spoke with the case supervisor who interviewed each separately, said she could ascertain that the children were not coached. And she advised Crystal, go to the police so you're not charged with kidnapping, continue to do what Crystal was doing, which is get lawyers for the children, lawyers for yourself. This matter was to be heard. So um, this was not a secret. Crystal enrolled the children in school. They were very happy. Another reason that Nora did not want to go is the vaccine. And she said, dad is going to force us to go to a school, Cora. And the only reason to do that was so that his new wife, Simone, who doesn't drive, it would be more convenient. And Nora and Harry want, are their Métis. They're Indigenous. They wanted to stay in the Christian program. So Nora and Henry did not want to be tricked or forced into the vaccine. He forced a PCR two times and tricked them one time, and it was both unnecessary. Once was only so that uh, he could tell if his family and he had COVID. Nora didn't have COVID, so that he should decide whether to go to work. The second time was to punish them all because they came back from Christmas vacation late because of the COVID, COVID uh, mandates and you know the flights were delayed. Um, so anyway, so Nora spoke to Children's Services in Bonneville, and they told Crystal uh, that the police would not try to take Crystal, given Nora, uh, Nora and Henry from Crystal, given that Nora was well informed she was about to turn 12. And Nora also said that her dad told her when she was 12, she could choose which family she wanted to live with and where she wanted to live. And she saw school was approaching. She did not want to go to Cora. They wanted to go to the French Immersion Program here. And I asked the social worker, would they remove Henry? She said, if it's unsafe for Nora, it's unsafe for Henry. So Crystal did the right thing, enrolled them in school. They were very happy, told the police. And then also she was trying to get protect herself. Greg has threatened to kill Crystal many times. He said how he would. He said he would chop up her body and burn it and it, nobody would know he'd get away with. Early in 2012, he said he would uh, make it look like a canoeing accident her. So these are just some examples family violence that was done a lot of it in front of the children so um crystal had a two-hour videotaping report done in the cold lake rcmp rather than write out a report and at ask for protection she found out at towards the end of september through the courts because uh, they were in court um for these different matters and you know crystal was trying to report greg for his breaches crystal had never broken the law or breached any court order or done anything that a child a parent should ever lose children before this incident where she kept the children in Alberta. Greg, in fact, has domestic violence, the perpetrator of it. Uh, he tried to kill Crystal. He said, kids, watch daddy kill mommy when he shoved a screwdriver to her throat in the Mazda in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, he punched her so hard in Florida, and I have texts about this, that she hit the ground with stars after he broke into their condo and held them against their will. So it's just a couple examples. I won't go on and on, but it's horrific, and it's in front of the children. My point with that is, if anybody should lose custody of a child, it'd be the parent that's doing it. He was not a hands-on parent before. Crystal did all of the daily care and love of the children. And um, he was an alcoholic and also taking drugs, snorting his uh, Ritalin or something equivalent for a cheap high. So, and how do I know that? Because I intervened and I have a timeline of many times I intervened when he was drunk. We opened our home to him. We were kind and loving us up till the breakup, many, many months, sometimes um, while Crystal was working in um, Fort McMurray, she's a crane operator to support the family while Greg was going to school. So I provide childcare, me and my family, and we would intervene and take the children when Greg was drunk and, uh, you know, encourage him to get therapy and supports. We opened our home. But anyway, back to the fall of 2000. So Nora was in school and a counselor took her out of her class and said, Nora, if somebody wants to take you and you don't want to go, the doors are locked. We will not force you to go, even if there's a court order. So Nora became frightened because Greg Lidstone and his dad, Graham, had stolen Nora and Henry from school in Edmonton in 2016 when they were only four and six. The same pattern, lying to the courts, saying that Crystal had kidnapped her children. He didn't know where the children were, where in fact, he and her had been on the phone many, many times. There's the call records. He paid for the um, hotel in Manitoba because they were moving from Pancake Bay back to Alberta. And Crystal thought if they started out in Alberta without their family interference, and so did Greg, that they would have a better life and he could kick his addictions and they could finally be a family without interference with family. Um, so... Nora and Henry were already scared of being stolen from school 
by their dad because that was horrifically traumatic. And he kept them from Crystal for three months where she had to get an emergency order to see her children. And it was so well planned. He went to every um, lawyer's office in town that when she tried to get a lawyer, they they had committed, um, created a conflict so she couldn't even get a lawyer. She had, she drove from Edmonton, Alberta to Sault Ste. Marie with the clothes on her back and had to stay in a crisis center because they really didn't live in uh, in, uh, in Sault Ste. Marie for any length of time. One time when he assaulted her in the mass, it was only for a month. They rented a house. And so it, anyway, long story short, uh, Nora, Nora and Henry were very scared of being stolen from school. So Crystal talked to the schools, both principals, and they decided for the next week that Greg is in town. This was going through the courts. They should stay with Crystal and do online learning um, or, you know, Henry got workbooks. I picked them up. And um, Crystal was a crane operator, so she was working in grassland. So it was all above board. Naomi, who has worked in childcare for years, was going to provide the childcare and homeschooling during the day. And then Crystal would take them out to sports and social activities in the afternoon. So that's why they ended up in a hotel in grassland. It's not, they were not hiding from anybody. They told the police where they were. They told the schools and, and the schools were all supportive of that. Long story short, Crystal was coming home from work on October 15th. This is very nasty of this, like horrible of the RCMP. She had been on the phone with the RCMP. She thought that they were processing her emergency protection order from Greg. They did not tell her there was a warrant for her arrest. She walked up the four flights of stairs. She was almost five months pregnant. The police there, and so Nora and Henry stood outside the hotel door and Naomi started videoing. The police said, Crystal, we have a warrant for your arrest. Crystal said, I want to see the warrant. She was very calm the whole time. You see it on the video, not in front of my children, and I'm pregnant. And that member pushed her immediately, assaulted Crystal with unborn tequila that you see in her belly so hard that she hit the floor and then her coveralls ripped. She immediately went into premature contractions, labor pains, and felt like throwing up. The RCMP arrested her in front of her children, causing unnecessary trauma and harm and abuse with her hands behind her back, and she then had to walk down four flights of stairs, uh, nauseous, cramping, and in front of her children. Henry was so upset, he tried, he was only nine years old then, just like not even nine and a half, he tried to separate the officer and Crystal as she walked down four stairs pregnant, trying not to pass out, and said to the officer that, yeah, and handcuffed behind her back, "Uh, you got the wrong one. My dad tried to kill my mom in front of me, and my dad, he was giving examples and he said, I, they were begging. He was begging, he said, I want to stay with my mom, let her go. So that's highly traumatic. And Naomi has it on her cell phone and the cell phone's locked. We have to get that video off. However, there is hotel fit footage, video of all of that. And we have that. Okay. So, so then they arrested Crystal. Then they went back upstairs and that's where you see that very disturbing video that you were playing. Uh, Crystal has never said today. She couldn't, she couldn't. So if she's a little, you know, emotional, we could understand why. The police then proceeded to and trying to lure uh, Nora and Henry to come out. And Nora said that Marnie, the social worker, said, Nora, if you don't come with us, it'll be worse for your mom. She'll be put into jail and uh, we will feed you pizza. And um, so and then they were threatening Naomi and you can hear the video. I have transcripts of it and some of it's just partial transcripts because it, it's so long to try to transcript 10 minutes. And I got so upset. I literally began. It took me a long time to transcribe that. But regardless, so Naomi, I'm so proud of her. She was articulating, advocating for the children that their voices would be heard. She said, you can hear them. They don't want to go. Giving examples of Greg being the perpetrator of domestic violence, how he says he's going to keep the kids from them. And the police were very rude, abrasive. Uh, Naomi, step outside. Step outside. Basically, you're going to get arrested or you have to cooperate. Then they tried to enlist Naomi into the abuse of her nieces and nephew by saying Naomi. Naomi's children, Naomi, if you ever need, if we ever need you, we need you now. That's gaslighting. Uh, rather than Henry in the video, you could hear later saying, why aren't you listening to me? Over 30 times, Nora and Henry said, no, no, I don't want to go. No, I want to stay with mom. No, my dad will keep me from my mom. No, my dad will take us in another video that I said to Belize. And why Belize? Because he told his past girlfriend that he would take the children to Belize where there's no extradition agreement and that he wouldn't be back. Back to this, um, they were both crying. It's very disturbing. You can see sweet little Nora, she's clutching her. And I know that girl, when she's doing that, she's high, highly traumatized and saying they don't want to go. And they're ordering Henry, put on your shoes. And Henry's like, no, I'm not going. Where am I going to sleep? Then Marnie says, you have to be my eyes because there's deer. 
she's already traumatized and she's trying to make her caregiver. There's so much wrong if you read the transcripts. And the RCMP was very rude to Naomi and to the children and threatening them, like I said, to arrest Naomi. Finally, the children left. Henry, in all that, called me because you hear him saying, Nana's coming. He called me and he said, Nana, they took Nora. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he was sobbing so hard. What does that mean? Because I'm thinking they were told they would never be taken. So I proceeded to drive there. And then when I was on my way there to Grassland, I was told the children were taken to Athabasca. So I, I went there. And, and then Wendy helped me to get the social worker Marnie's phone number. And I told her all those things. I said, uh, Greg took Nora, I think it was 2018, from Canada to the United States. He's supposed to get permission from Crystal. He took her out of the school early and he hid them for days. When they came back, Nora would dissociate, go into a trance and three times, and she grabbed her genitals and say, ow, ow, no, no. So there is some form of sexual abuse. Don't tell, she had never done that before. So Crystal didn't say Greg did it, somebody did it. And I was telling Marnie, the social worker that day, October 5th, reasons why the children don't want to go with Greg. Henry, uh, Greg threw Nora repeatedly into the ground in front of witnesses' statement. And grandmothers like me said, Greg, stop it, you'll hurt her. And he wouldn't stop her, he was drunk until he broke her wrist. Then Crystal wanted to take Nora to the hospital, which was about an hour away because they were camping at a campground, and he was drunk and he hid the keys, he prevented her. So then finally, when he passed out, Crystal took Nora to um, to the doctor's doctor and the hospital, and the wrist was casted. So all this Greg denies. He said he she broke her wrist in a playground. There was no playground, and there was witnesses. So I told Marnie that. I said, uh, Doug licked Nora's foot, and then Greg said, don't tell. I looked that up in case someone's going to like gaslight me and say that's not sexual abuse. Two people in Ontario were charged publicly and found guilty of doing licking because it is sexual abuse. It's an unwanted touch to a minor. It's also sexual interference. And then they said not to tell. Of course, Nora told. Crystal reported it. And Doug was so angry that in dad's time, Henry had appointment. He wanted a mom to be there to hold his hand. So Crystal was in the office waiting. She saw Doug take Henry out of a truck, dragging him by the collar and by the neck. And you didn't have to do that. I took Henry to the dentist appointment and he's very compliant. He's a very sweet boy. And when Crystal reached open to open the door, like, what are you doing? Kind of in the dentist's office, because there's a lot of water and snow. He assaulted her many times into her chest and then out of my way. And Crystal called the police. The police, yes, acknowledged that's an assault, but then they went and talked to Doug and Doug got off. They didn't charge him. So that's another Why every time when Crystal calls the police and they say they're going to charge or Doug or whoever this is doing the assault, they drop the charges. And then now we've had four officers. Three of them are sergeants who have told one was Garvel. Yes, I will name names. One is Tom Kovic, who actually sent me his detective accidentally passed me an email saying not to give crystal services to his detachment. Another one was uh, Detective uh, Mario Posterero, and now Sergeant Tom um, Hall, Mark Hall, in the basket saying they're going to criminally investigate Greg and then they stop. Now I'm asking a question why? And I'm asking is it because Greg's uncle, whom he's named after, Norman Douglas, is a judge? Is there influence there? So back to October 5th and 6th, they took uh, the children. They're on the third floor being interrogated and Marnie did not give them food or water for all the hours that she told them to be able to write, uh, call Auntie Naomi because they thought Crystal was still in jail. And none of that was allowed when, when, uh, when Nora asked. Nora told Marnie many instances of family violence and abuse, some of which I told you, and that her dad would vaccinate her. And she later told us, because we got to see them the, that night before they were taken again a second time. Nora told us that the social worker told her, that's not true. That only happens in movies. And then the next day when Henry was, Henry and Nora locked themselves in the bathroom to not be forced to go with their dad, Henry, see, Crystal didn't hear all this because she was arrested a second time. Henry would call out and he said, my dad will keep us from my mom. And an officer said, no, he loves you. He has a new wife and a new life. That's gaslighting. Henry said, no, he uses us to hurt our, our mother. They gave many instances for many hours. So back to, to the, the 6th, the, it was around 11 o'clock at night, the 5th. Marnie was going to hand Nora and Henry over, and that's right there, right off. That happened right before that, over to Greg. There's Marnie in the background. There's an officer. These officers 
told lies about crystal disclosures, and we have these videos for proof. I'll remind me to tell you about that. Nora and Henry were going to be handed over to Greg. When they saw their dad, they did not run to him. They ran away from him. They started running later. They said they were going to the bush. What 11 and 9-year-old have you ever heard of running away and running? But they saw mom's work truck, and they locked themselves into mom's work truck. And what you see right there is that officer was hitting the windows of the truck. He said he's going to smash the windows and drag Nora and Henry out. And that's Crystal advocating for her children, saying, no, you're going to hurt, harm my children. No, this is domestic violence. Let's call the sergeant. Crystal's first profession was criminal justice and policing. She worked for the RP and she worked for the blood tribe police. Crystal is native. These children are native. I said to Marnie, uh, these children have rights. We can do kinship. Crystal is asking for a protective separation. I said to Maria, it is your job to do protective separation when you hear all of this. And all these people kept saying is we have a court order. Crystal was saying, who knows the law, that is not a final order. This is to be heard October 14th. A judge heard this either September 29th or 30th and gave Crystal two weeks to hear this matter. He did not tell Crystal this is kidnapping. He did not say you've abducted your children. He did not say you're in contempt of court. He gave her time to get a lawyer and get the children's lawyer and to get supports in place and to get her evidence because she had just started another job working a shutdown and she's pregnant. And so anyway, Nora and Henry ran into the truck and locked themselves in and they would not come out. Crystal kept asking the officers, you could hear it on the video, and I have transcripts verbatim of that because it's not that long, uh, to get to call a sergeant and to call a supervisor. Finally, Sergeant Mark Hall comes and he's the guy in the blue. And obviously he saw there's a reason for concern. He, you'll see him later. And he told Crystal he will do a criminal investigation on Greg to, for us to go to a safe place because he had heard of some of the assaults of Greg and that Greg had been stalking Norrin Henry and Crystal in Cold Lake. He had been in Cold Lake for a week to two weeks uh, trying to get a court order to remove the children from Crystal. But he did not call to inquire about their well-being. I've never kept him from his kids. I've always allowed them to talk. He was lived in my and the kids were scared about that. They like, why is that? And we found out from a family member whom he was talking to that he had had people circling our house to see where Crystal was. So this guy has threatened to kill Crystal many times, has assaulted her, uh, told told her in Florida, I'll fuck you up so bad next time your family won't recognize you. Of course, we're concerned and scared. But he had never tried to call Norn Henry and inquire about their own, own well-being, which tells you he trusts, right? He didn't do a well-being check at all. So, yes. Lauren Henry so what I'm hearing, so yeah, and and uh, I just appreciate so much detail. It, it's absolutely um, a, a stunning and staggering and horrible story. Uh, it does appear that this, um, so if we're to take your um, version of events, and uh, I'm going to assume that Crystal would uh absolutely come into agreement with everything that you've just said this man looks like one of those abusive guys who likes to get on the good side of police and that there is some judge <laughs> family friend or whatever involved and of course that ends up being really terrible i would love yeah. to hear briefly from wendy because i know that you have wendy there and they'd yes. like to hear from you crystal uh, to to hear if you feel that things have been presented accurately. And I'd like to know um, then, Barbara, if you could fill me in about um, where we are today. But first, let's talk Absolutely. to Wendy. Wendy, what, what could you add to what we've heard? So I'm an advocate for families. And uh, Crystal has tried to do everything uh, working with the courts and working with the law. She is a tremendous mom. And she's very fair and she has very, she has ethics and she's a very intelligent woman actually. And her children also are very well schooled. She homeschooled her children a lot and they are very well raised and very articulate, well-spoken children. They're very smart. They're at the top of their class in school. And Crystal and her family have provided a very warm and loving um, educational uh, family life for, the, for these children. Crystal was trying to do everything through the courts. I was with her in court. Uh, we, it was virtual, but she was before the judge. And, you know, she, her daughter and her son did not want after their visit for the summer. They were adamant. They were begging. Nora said, Nora said do, you, do, I, do I have to fake my own mm -hmm. death 
Nora would never usually talk that way. Yes. And so they saw how adamant the children were that they did not want to return home to Sault Ste. Marie to their dad after their summer vacation with their mom. They wanted to stay with their mom. They wanted to see their dad, you know, when he visited them in Alberta and exchange gifts and phone calls and that. But they definitely wanted their mother. That is where they felt safe with their mother and they love their mother and their mother and grandmother and their supportive family are very, very loving and very, very um, strong uh, family values for these children. And so we were in court and the judge said, Crystal, where are the children? Because he said, you know, Greg wants the children to be returned and you agreed to return to return the children at the end of their vacation. But the children were adamant they did not want to go home and we did not want to send them back then. And so we worked in the courts and the judge says, where are the children? Crystal said, they're with me. And he said to her, I will give you two more weeks she, because she said, I need to get a lawyer for myself. I need to get a lawyer for my children that will stand up for my children. And I need to put forward the affidavit so that you'll understand what the situation has been for us. And we also, Crystal also put in place a meeting so that the children could have their statement taken down, so that they could talk with the RCMP and with um, uh, a social worker from the Native community that they trusted. And so th the next day, this was the fifth this was happening, police came, but we, and they were up all night because the police were there and all these things were going on. And they had they had assured us that we could go, they, that the family could go to and that they, they would be safe, that the RCMP were not going to arrest them. I spoke with with uh, Sergeant Hall. I sent a report to Sergeant Hall to show him that I had been in court. I heard the judge say, you can have two more weeks. We'll come back together on October the 14th, and we will um, uh, uh, take this matter all up again about the children going back to Ontario. And so very quickly after I got off the phone with Sergeant Hall and I sent my report, all of a sudden, there was a sting operation. The police were surrounding the hotel with the family. Instead of letting that family settle down and just go to sleep and meet the next day with the RCMP and with the social workers, and a real statement taken down. And Crystal had also gone before and asked for an emergency protection order. So she had tried to do everything as calmly and as correctly as she could. She supported the children. When the police came, she, she was very calm. She was very, very professional. She explained that we had been in communication with the judge, that he gave us two more weeks, that the order that was showing the police was not the final word, that we had an agreement. We had a docket agreement with the judge that we would come back in two weeks, and that the children were asking to be heard. The children were asking for a meeting with the RCMP and with the social workers so that they would understand the situation that those children are in. Those children are really being captive. They are in a violent situation with a man who's been very, very violent with them and also with their mom. And they're scared for their mom's life. And we were asking for protection from the courts and from the police. Afterwards, you know, they took the children and they you know, they thought the violence came from the police, the RCMP. They were young officers. And, you know, they had no reason to push Crystal to the ground. She told him she was pregnant. She says, I just want to see your warrant. And she said, please don't arrest me in front of my children and traumatize them more. And they took the ground so hard, they ripped their coveralls. There was no need for that kind of violence at all. Then I read their disclosure. They lied about Crystal. They said that she was belligerent and 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 swearing at the police and screaming yelling at them, screaming, screaming obscenities. None of that happened. I, I was on the phone. We had other people on the phones with Crystal that night. There was a standoff because we were trying to get a truce. We were trying to negotiate that we needed the next day more time to come in for a meeting with the RCMP. And we had arranged that. And all of a sudden, Hall told the police officers to use force to take the children and give them back to Greg and smashed down, opened the, the door of the hotel. And the children ran into the bathroom and they they took a crowbar and they smashed down that door too. And all the time, these children were very respectful and they were begging, please, and crying, crying, Sorry. please. 
did not send us back home with our dad. We want to stay with him. And they gave many, many sincere and good reasons why they did not want to go back. The police officers and the social workers spoke over them. They didn't really listen to them. They betrayed them because they said, you know, oh, oh, this, this isn't true. These things just happen in the movies, the things they were saying dad did to their mother. He held a screwdriver to her chest and said, kids, watch daddy kill mommy. These children have been traumatized over and over, and it's, it's unnecessary. And it was done because of their father's violence and because he is a pathological parent. He's using these children uh, as a weapon, and he's using the court system to continuously, continuously cause harm and, and um, trauma and abuse to his partner. And so I've watched this. I've worked with this family now for uh, uh, more than a year. I've been in the courts with Crystal. I've helped her with her paperwork. I've been a friend, uh, like a Mackenzie friend in the court. And I can say that it's very, very um, upsetting and disconcerting for me to see. It, the courts have not listened to her. Um, there's been a lot of manipulation with the police, so they won't take down her reports. They treat her like she's mentally. That's what Greg says. They and, and I see this with families all the time, that when kids are taken illegally and violently, that they try to portray the parents as unfit or that the parents are mentally ill, which isn't true. And police have a lot, a lot of authority. There is no need. They locked themselves in the mother's truck and they were banging on the window with their baton, but they did not put that in their report. When I read the disclosure, I see that they left off all their violent things that they did and they in, in, in put into the report lies that Crystal was the one who was you know, escalating and she was swearing obscenities. None of that happened. None of that was true. We can no longer trust our police now to come and serve and protect the public. We can no longer trust our court system to give justice, to listen to both sides of the, of the, um, of the story and to listen to all the evidence. And so for me as an advocate, it really grieves my heart to see continuously injustice going on in family court. One man said it's the perfect crime family court and that our family court system is completely broken and that we need to take the family court system out of the hands of the judges. I'm when If somebody has to go to a court, we need to be in front of your peers so that they'll listen to the story, both sides of the story, and that they'll make a quick and uh, a just decision about this mother has always been the caregiver of the children. She's always been very loving. She's very intelligent. She's very fair. She's done so much for her children. That's why they're so smart. And the, the, the father in this case was often an absent father. He was not a father who did the nurturing, the diaper changing, teaching, the homeschooling, you know, all these things always absent. Often they can remember the father causing, you know, lots of upsets, kind of family um, celebration or the holidays, Christmas time. He would be drunk. He'd be disorderly. He'd be making fun of people. He'd be causing a scene for his wife and children. He'd be violent throwing a lamp at her, you know, knocking her down, doing all these things to her. And why, why does he have these children and not the mother who why? really loves them? And they have shown Very over shocking. and over these little children, they're nine and 11. Please don't send us home to our dad. Please. We want to live with our mother. They're not unkind to their father. Nobody is. They said, we'll have visits with our dad. We'll exchange gifts. We'll calls will always have communication he does not allow that crystal has not seen her son in about eight months okay. 10 months yeah. because wow. shocking could i uh, could we talk yeah, to crystal ahead. and uh yes. crystal i want to hear from you and see if uh did, does this resonate um i can't imagine the emotions that you must be feeling and how hard it is uh you've got a new and little precious baby uh but to hear all of this uh, uh, am i hearing an accurate version of what has transpired yeah yes you are there's just so much to say uh, there's so think about it you know family court for six years and not an end in sight and you know, all the life leading up to that, that is supposed to matter. Um, 
so it's supposed to matter so much that we're disqualified from, you know, choosing other avenues such as um, alternative resolution, arbitration, because in Canada, if there is any domestic violence, you're not qualified. They tell you, oh, well, there's an imbalance of power and control. You must go through the court system. And once you're in the court system, the worst thing you can do ever is tell the truth about what's happened in your family when it comes to family violence. Uh, in Canada, what's happening now, if you talk about it, you are the bad guy, you will have your children removed, which, which is, it doesn't even make sense because how do you, how do you move forward? You would you say like, that, like, uh, I know. would you say that he has not been honest in his uh, dealings with the police and that he gives a different narrative than what actually happened? Actually, most of the time, yes. To answer your question, yes. Um, he usually tells the police I'm doing what he is in fact doing. And right. so action is taken towards the wrong person. And he probably, yeah. Yeah. And he probably thinks you're the narcissist. Um, okay. So I got you. So, um, uh, I think that we get the picture because these, these men are a dime a dozen and they are littered throughout the court and the family justice systems. Um, the fact that you're not getting help, the fact that no one's paying attention and that these children are really in a potentially very um, emotionally, if not physically damaging uh, position right now. And what is your access to them at this time? Is it correct you haven't seen them for quite some time? Uh, that was the case. Um, but uh, I did get to see my children finally after um, okay. uh, many months, almost a year. Um, there was okay. an opportunity for seven hours at a supervised access facility uh, where parents who are so visiting their children. So you had to children. have supervised access. Right. Yes, what it's have similar you ever to done? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm so I did. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Yeah. What I did was. Uh, I advocated for my kids. That's what I did. That's what I'm guilty of. Um, and and the biggest uh, thing that they wanted to have me to do, not for them to do, mom, be the mom, you do it, you talk for us, uh, is to, I asked for them to get their own lawyer, um, which I had asked for many years. And, um, and then it like, it's a very long, uh, order of events, but just to focus on one thing that was that changed. Um, every time I did bring them back, I brought my children back to their dad. I followed all court orders, all agreements, dozens of them. We traveled across Canada for many years, back and forth. Um, my whole side of the family is from Alberta, and that's where we met. Uh, and his side of the family is from Ontario. So we were, we were the traveling family living out of suitcases a lot of the time. Um, but just to um, pinpoint what changed was when my daughter Nora said, what do I have to do? Fake my own death? She wanted to be heard. She needed to be heard. And uh, I did my best to have That's her a very heard. shocking thing. That's a very shocking fell on thing for a child to say. And it, sh it should be heard. Like it should be heard right now. So, um, I, so what I'm gathering is that you're not certainly not being heard enough and that people have not come along to advocate for your family and they seem to have the wrong end of the stick. And I oh, do yeah. understand that. Yes, I do understand as well that I'm just meeting you and I'm only hearing your side, but I'll tell you what's powerful about your situation is that, um, uh, I saw the videos that we were we showed today and we showed them silently so we could get through it because I know that it's quite a long story and your mother is amazing at telling telling all of the events and, and she's uh, quite articulate and passionate on your behalf. And so we show those, well, but so I saw your that. demeanor. I saw the way that you uh, 
uh, responded to the police. I saw the way that they were responding to you. I recognize that there seems to be, this is a very typical thing that, um, you know, police officers are not nearly trained on how to deal with an abusive spouse situation. And especially when they have misinformation such as this mother is mentally ill or she's this or she's that. And they're going into a situation with a preconceived idea of what's really happening. And you can see that you are none of those things. You have a mother and you have also got this amazing woman, Wendy, who's advocating for you. And that is no small potatoes. So um, I... I'm, I'm going to give you, um, Crystal, if you'd like to say anything before we begin to sign off, because then I'm going to ask Barbara if she can tell us, um, and you, Crystal, uh, what, what we can do, if anything. First of all, this is going to get seen, and it could potentially, of course, it will be seen by your ex-partner. And are the children uh, going to be in danger from this? Because that's what I wonder, if this kind of person is uh you know potentially going to escalate or make the kids pay emotionally in some way and how do we get protection for those children uh each time my kids have spoken out um or told me what's actually going on when they're not in my care uh you're right um there are they are punished um they're told that uh for example my daughter was told that she was not allowed to talk to me um, by her father. He told her that you cannot talk to your mother until you accept the way things are now. Um, and then, you know, just a lot of interference, um, breaking court orders. We have court orders in place that say, for example, um, that parents are not to interfere with the relationship of the child with you know, the other parents. And we don't need court orders for that. That is common sense. However, our court orders are cover a lot of areas and they're very um, specific orders. And uh, for example, um, you know, when it comes to uh, even this access center, um, I've had now, we, we were on a wait list for quite some time to have um, in-person access at a supervised access center, which is similar to going through um, uh, in airport security, uh, there is no privacy. Somebody is there documenting everything after you do uh, a search to go in and see your kids. Um, but we have a great time. We see each other. Um, but my son is being withheld. And um, so that's just a continuation of uh, domestic family violence. You know, there is no reason. Do you that see that there's somebody? I'm so sorry. Do you see that there's somebody that is is really not um advocating enough for you or are they beginning is anybody beginning to see what's really happening here and taking this to task i mean part of a, a society is ensuring that children are safe and we hire a whole bunch of people that seem to not really be doing what they're supposed to be doing to take care of families that are in stressful situations yeah um to answer your question uh are people seeing it? I, I don't know. Um, sometimes I think certain judges do see, um, but are not in a position to make orders at that time because procedurally when you right. are in a conference, for instance, um, only, only agreements can be made on consent. Uh, and then you get in front of another judge and uh, now twice I've been thrown out of the courtroom, yelled at, said, throw her out. Uh, because I was speaking during my turn and very... Uh, you know, following all courtroom protocol. Uh, but I've been talked down to, uh, demeaned. Um, Why would they throw you out then? Why would they throw you out? You didn't like what I know, had to say uh, when I was telling judge? what happened. And, no. And in fact, um, when I was even just asking that my parenting time be consecutive, which, so it would allow for me to travel across Canada so I could go to work and provide for my family, right? Uh, I was told by a judge when I was adding up the hours, uh, he, he referred to me as Mrs. Lidstone, this is not shopping uh, because he was shorting me hours when I was doing the math for him, showing him this is important. Uh, and no, you're right, Your Honor, this is not shopping. And no, I didn't say that when I should have. Um, but I just, I notice if I do stand up for myself and my kids, oftentimes, um, 
it's it's just it's not well received um and they just want wow. us in and out in and out. and um and you made you said earlier you know this there are you know a lot of families in court where men are doing this to their wives and family but it's it's not just men women do that as well um withhold and uh just cause trauma and um basically it's it's yes, just you're absolutely right full control, full control and and there's no way out um it it just it goes from bad to worse um and yes the truth doesn't matter so i I don't know. Um, but on the bright side, I do have something to add. Um, it was an, a negative alternative where my ex and his new wife, um, Simone Bedrick, uh, called the police uh, on me. My ex-husband had told his new wife to um, make a complaint to the police. And they accused me of um, not holding my infant daughter properly, um, wanting her to be uh, removed from my care um and put in child services so um after an investigation though uh the child service worker uh, uh did see through what was happening uh, and did comment uh, that um children's aid society in canada does not consider emotional abuse um abuse uh sure they say it is but they don't act on it and from my opinion it's it's been worse, you know, like I've gotten over my injuries. Um, but every day, and I'm an adult, every day, the emotional part is, um, is very trying. And I can't imagine what it's like for my children, Nora and Henry, they're just kids. And they don't have the supports in place. You know, they've been offered um, counseling uh, for many years. And then because in Canada, we need both parents to sign permission for that, uh, it's withheld by their dad. And, but yet when there's, you know, they need both parents' permission to travel out of country or to have a vaccine as written in our court order, that part isn't being upheld. So it's, uh, it's yes, Crystal, thank hard, you. Uh, it's even very, this is a very difficult situation. Mm. Yeah. Um, let me just finish up then with, um, with your mom and, uh, I want to, you know, I want to see, first of all, being out there is going to be helpful in that way. And Barbara, to tie this all up, um, how do you, I hope that we're helpful because we can get the information out and perhaps we're going to need to do another interview in a, in a couple months or see where things are at, but uh, what is it you hope to accomplish? Can I just say two quick things before that, just to sure. clarify what Crystal said? She is seeing her children yeah. because she had to sign herself in to be supervised, although she doesn't need to be. And even though she was given all those hours, Greg, the dad, has withheld the kids from most of that. Uh, Henry was only allowed to see his mother one time in all of that. And we don't know why. We don't know if Henry's been forced vaccinated or not. The children are not allowed to communicate with me in any form, even though Nora put me on two additional apps so she could Snapchat with me, you know, and Instagram and things like that. So it's, she started to tell you that she is in an access center, but she just, I think that's what the motion was today that she was trying to tie up, uh, is he's not following orders and he hasn't. Secondly, uh, someone must investigate. In that uh, disclosure that Wendy was talking about after all this went down October 5th and 6th, the RCP omitted so many different things and they said they have uh, criminally investigated Greg. No, they have not. If they did, they would have talked to some of the victims and they would have found other people and Crown prosecutors that are now lawyers have heard some bits and they go, there's too much corroborating evidence for this not to be true. There's no way that people like us are making this up. So there, we need someone, please, I don't know how or who to ask or what, to do a criminal and criminal investigation. Uh, this is pathogenic parenting, which is child abuse. And as Crystal said, Ontario doesn't recognize it, but I did research on it. It can be a criminal charge. It can be. You get all that evidence. It could be either harassment, criminal negligence causing harm, which is what they did to Crystal and her unborn baby pushing her down, but so can withhold. Dr. Craig Childress is one of the most renowned uh, psychiatrists from the States, but he also has lectured and works in Alberta. He has been in and I didn't lecture there, but, but he said, you know, on the internet, 
witness, we could call him and he would be an expert witness with this evidence and evidence of what you see that the kids are like Nora and Henry now, symptoms of trauma bonding, Stockholm syndrome, learned helplessness, psychological abuse where they're told hang up on your mom and they obey and you can see it on a video call. And Nora's always looking up at Greg to see if she's saying the right thing. The few times she was allowed to talk to mom, that is criminal. Like How it can be made in charge. Yeah. Yeah, it's very controlling behavior, yes. very yes. damaging to yes. the children. What's so happening? I, uh, um, this is very, very bad. And the fact that nobody's stepping in is very disturbing. Yeah. If there is a just to the level of Dr. Craig challenges in universities that understands pathogenic parenting, well, psychologists, the parent passing on their persecutor delusions onto the child and using them as a weapon and is hope with that. I'd like to be in contact with that person, hire them to be an expert witness because they can tell they won't even have to assess Greg or the other parent. They can tell by the evidences of what's going on and the, what's happening to the children and diagnose pathogenic parenting, child psychological abuse. Um, the most such form of abuse, Dr. Craig Childress says, just like Crystal says, the physical assaults that she has had, and she's had many, um, children heal from he said kids have been pushed into the fires beaten with electrical cords but the most savage abuse is to cut off an affectionately available normal range parental is a mom break their bonds and every six months a child grows in development they're missing all that healthy development they're learning wrong ways it'll affect people how they view themselves 100 and uh, they grieve, they get angry at the targeted parent, Crystal, because they're grieving that she's dead. This is called the death of a parent and the death of a child. That's what psychologists call it. To Crystal, that's the death of her children. That's what Greg wanted. And to kids, your mother. And like Simone, that. the stepmother, has abused them as well. She held down the door and still set up a medical appointment for a taxi driver to pick up Nora and Henry because it was in Greg's time. Greg had broken, Henry had broken his finger. And Simone held the door down, took Nora's phone, Nora texted Crystal said, I'm scared, and then made them stay in the room and held the door down or couldn't text uh, her mom and then kept the phone. Like Greg has done breaches all along, Crystal's parenting time and, you know, FaceTime that they're supposed to have. So there's a lot of examples of her family. It's all family. very disturbing. And I do, I do hope that you get the help that you need. Uh, Wendy, do you have lawyer, a final please. comment? Lawyer, please, if anybody. Um, just that I would like people to understand what it is when you have a narcissistic partner, it can be a female or it can be the male, how difficult that is. Uh, people need to recognize that very early in their relationship and they need to get out. Either you handle this um, person who's a narcissist, or you have to separate from them because the abuse gets worse and worse and worse. And the abuse will go not just from the partner, but to the children. And so it's very important for people to understand this about relationships. If you're in a relationship with a narcissistic person, you need to get out, separate yourself, do it because 100%. this just goes on and on and gets so worse. And the court system does not understand this. The judges don't understand this. And even a lot of psychologists do not understand this pathological parenting that goes on and how much harm is done in our court system over it. We need to educate the judges and the um, uh, people that are in mental health so that they really can support yes. mothers. Otherwise, they're all right. They believe the all lies. All right. Well, I think I thank you very, very much. And uh, and I'll just say to all of you, to the, to the three of you and the beautiful baby, that the reason that I felt to do this was I felt um, the unction of God helping me to to have clarity that this was something that I should pursue. Because as you can imagine, I get a lot of people who share their stories and they want to air their grievance. But with the preponderance of the evidence and Crystal, I see that you are a beautiful, beautiful person and, uh, and a beautiful mother. And I just want to let you know that you are loved by God and that God loves your kids. And he loves you, and he sure loves your mom because she's uh, fighting for you. And Wendy is on your side. So the Lord has brought all of you together. So I stand with you, and um, I hope my prayer is that through this, something will happen to get you personally yes. the help that you need in your families because God cares about families, and he doesn't care for abuse. So may every net that has been set by the wrong kind of motive be absolutely undone and may you find vindication and justice. I thank you ladies for joining me. 
Um, we can certainly revisit this in a while. If you're not getting justice, I pray that judges listen. I pray that social workers come to the aid and do what you're supposed to do. And I pray that the police fall in line. Otherwise, we're going to blow this puppy sky high. And we do want help for all of you. Thank you very much for joining me, you guys. I bless you. Thank you, Laura Lynn. Thank you. Bless you. You're welcome. Bye. Take care, yeah. Crystal. That's okay. We love it. All right. Take care, everyone. God bless. <laughs> oh, that was so cute. Okay. I just thank God that he is faithful and, um, and that he sees every circumstance and, uh, you need to watch out for Father God because when it involves children, if you harm kids, if you hurt them emotionally, if you are any part of that kind of stuff, um, God is watching and he has a way of bringing justice even when the court system doesn't. And so we just stand on that and uh, God's mighty power. To help that family my website is laurelin.tv um this is a different kind of show that we did today but um thanks for bearing with it once in a while you just have to do something um that you feel is going to bring some help to somebody who just really really needs help uh i enjoyed having rob on the gentleman from WestJet, and i pray that god will um that God will bring vindication and justice in, in all of these things. Um, thank you for supporting this show. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your letters. Thank you for the letters you mail in. You know, you can actually mail me. Some of you love that snail mail, and I love it too. You send me really special cards and gifts, and it's very, very nice. It means a lot to me. We're in the fight of our lives. The world is a very evil place, and... It's hard to weave through all of that, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to just find your path through it all. But God really, really helps us. I wanna to read to you before I go. Thank you for your support. It means the world because what ends up happening is we are able to be on air because we have your support and I can uh, donate an awful lot of my time to this. The only way that we're on here is is by generous folks like you saying that we need an option to mainstream media where we hear the truth, the truth about everything that's happened in two and a half years, but even more importantly, the big world out there, the evil agenda that's coming against us, the fight and the battle, and that we can somehow find ourselves together. All right, I would like to read to you today from uh, Philippians, Philippians 3. I pray this will bless oh, your heart. In verse 7 it says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. What Paul is talking about is the price he had to pay to bring the truth to the world at that epic hour. When, when Paul came into uh, walking into Christianity as one of the first Christians of all time, he had already murdered Christians. He had been part of murdering Christians and so when he then found that he had been in the wrong, you know, society didn't even punish him for murdering Christians. They punished him when he became a Christian and Paul ultimately died in jail. So when he found God, he lost his reputation. He lost everything that had been sort of what he'd stood on. He was a Pharisee and he was one of the finest Pharisees. They had to literally um, from memory, know the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. I mean, they had to, Deuteronomy, uh, I, I kept going, but it ends at Deuteronomy. 
they had to literally memorize those scriptures. They had to absolutely know uh, the word of God. They were skilled in every area. But what happened to Paul? He lost everything. And he says, I consider all of that stuff garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. The law tells you how you are supposed to live. Don't steal, don't murder, don't covet your neighbor's wife, uh, don't steal your neighbor's chickens, you know? It, it tells you how you're supposed to live. But when you get a righteous attitude that's based on a whole lot of rules, you can become very self-righteous, thinking, well, I fulfilled the laws. That's why the Pharisees had such a hard uh, time when Jesus came to the earth. Do you remember when he healed a man whose arm was crooked? His hand was crooked. Jesus heals him on the Sabbath and they accuse him of like, what have you done? Instead of seeing the beauty that he had actually healed someone. So may we all consider all of these things garbage and be found in God's fullness and in his joy. Thanks for joining me today, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.